Hello, everyone, and welcome to Transformers for Your Listening Pleasure, episode number 127, recorded, uh, what is today? Uh, I, had, I, I think it's the 26th. 26th, yeah. 25th. Saturday. Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> it was like a Saturday or something. Tuesday somewhere. We are at TFCon USA in Chicago, Illinois. Um, it is the 25th. Yes. Um, we have with us today uh, Aaron Archer and Rick Alvarez of Play With This Too. And I am Weird Wolf, and this is Plasticon. We are uh, kind of uh, got a, mix, a makeshift thing going on here, but uh, hopefully you guys are uh, tuning in. Uh, we had uh, had one feed going and had to shut it down and start a new one, so uh, hopefully you've been able to follow us on over. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk with the big news. Uh, we talked with uh, Rick a couple weeks ago on the uh, show, and. Uh, he had some things that uh, he couldn't tell us at the time, but now uh, is uh, he can unveil them and reveal them. I still them. have lots of things I can't tell you yet. Yet. There's still more names to be announced. But, but, there, but there's, like, a, there's, a, there's another big two, one. That... Two names to be announced today. <laughs> one was uh, the addition of Simon Furman, who's a friend of mine, and I went through the project with him, showed him what we're doing, and I said, hey, are you interested in working on this? Let's talk about price and timing, and he's, uh, he was really cool about it. Uh, he's not here today. I couldn't afford to fly him in. <laughs> <laughs> Simon is really awesome. I actually uh, got to eat dinner with him at a at the BotCon in Lexington. Oh, that's good. And uh, I picked his yeah, brain on the <laughs> 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 <A> good BotCon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I There's his... more stuff we can't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? I, I picked his brain on Headmasters that, uh, that night because, I mean, that's that's my favorite part of Transformers. And, and You're the one. Yes. He's the one. <laughs> yes. That guy. He's that guy. Well, no, I'm not Headmaster Don. No. He's, no. he's the other guy on our show. Oh, we we he can has, get the cat guy here. He's too busy with RFC. Yeah, so. he, he's, he's the one with the RC fetish. Yeah. yeah. RC <laughs> fetish and Not fetish, but... Yeah. Don't ask me. I don't no, know. He just loves RC. Any, anything. Uh, this generation's RC that's coming out, whenever he saw it, he's like, i got to have that. Did well, you work on that while you were there? No. Oh, we talked about it for so long. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, up and up until this one, I, uh, we had uh, the Energon RC and then uh, the animated, I believe. Yeah, mm -hmm. I never thought that figure would get made. Never. They, it looks good. Now, female fi figures are really taking the forefront. I mean, we've got Chromia and and RC. Yeah, like all at the same time. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's something I never thought would happen. It was just a battle to get Arachnid made. Yeah. Uh, got a question about Arachnid. Why no three modes? Was that just a budget cut? Or? Uh, well, I believe Joe Kide was the designer on that item. And him and I were talking, and he's like, "I yeah, there's not much of a body there. It's going to be deluxe, so i gotta got to come up with these weapons upon the side of her. Can you put it in the show? No. Okay. So he ended up putting his weapons on, and him and I had always talked about, well, let's do a Voyager one day, and that'll be the three-mode thing. And when that item came up for review, uh, I remember uh, I had to kind of make an argument for why it should be made. And we spent all this money developing this character and the Maya files and putting the character on the show that we really needed to uh, use the assets that we had. And it turned into uh, another battle that I tried to fight, and that was a battle I won uh, because there was research showing that it doesn't matter if a character is 
male or female, as long as it's got a cool mode. Mm -hmm. And that's how Arachnid got made. Otherwise, she would never have been made. I, I searched. Uh, I went out on a on a toy hunt one night about 12 o'clock in the morning and hit five Walmarts before I finally found one. And, I, I, I mean, I hadn't seen any other pictures of it other than a couple of the promo pictures. And I'm like, it don't have three modes. I still want to buy it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I wish we could have done more with making what we had in the show and the products we put out, especially with the Protocon Rising stuff, match the show more. Timing stuff. Yeah. That show, was all. The show's always faster than the toy, so. It was all very rushed. Yeah. That's uh, understandable, because, I mean, you got the guys that ride it, then they start doing something with it, and it's all of a sudden, okay, this toy's coming out, but then you got this other one that needs to come out on top it's of that. Two, two production schedules that don't always line up. Right. The animation schedule is very different than the toy schedule, so if you don't hit the timing right to either agree on what it can be, or if you need to change either side late, you almost can't address it, especially on a CG show that has builds or take a lot more time just changing a model sheet. Has there ever been an instance where a character was revealed through toys that was initially supposed to be like a surprise in the actual cartoon or is it? No, I mean it was too tough to ever have a particular day debut kind of thing. It wasn't like we won the state too often. Mm -hmm. So the toys would often be shown at Toy Fair before the show anyway. Mm -hmm. So that it was hard. It would, that probably couldn't have happened. It was more uh, sometimes Star Wars is trying to be secret up until a certain time. But we never, dates. That, was, that was tough to do on Transformer. Mm -hmm. And unnecessary given it was all Hasbro, so let's get it out there. Yeah. Did we introduce Whichever the stars? First. Yes. Maybe. We did, did we? we? Uh, I'm Aaron Archer. <laughs> handsome devil at the start of the show uh, yeah, so we're with Rick Alvarez and Aaron oh, okay, and yeah. Weird Wolf and... yeah okay it's been yeah, a I, was, I was listening to the Radio Free Cybertron podcast in my earpiece <laughs> oh, man well they're friends of ours <laughs> one of the cast is on our show <laughs> but yeah we uh, um, it's, been, it's been a really big long day here I've, I, I've been helping with Capture Prey booth our sponsor Capture Prey and, it's, uh, and he's uh, been uh, helping with our uh, other sponsor, Mega Toy Fan, mm -hmm. and we've been rocking uh, quite a bit. And I'm I sure drew, I drew all day, full out, talking to everybody about what I've been up to, and drawing old robots and talking about the good old days. Yeah. Well, Rick was. I was busy with our pre-Kickstarter fundraiser. We thank you to everyone who made a donation, and everyone got a prize. It's busy handing out comics to kids. Some kids are like, "Who's this guy?" A busy con is awesome, like, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot I, of good energy. I myself, I even had to break away from the actual con to go upstairs to go ahead and review the Master Shooter collectibles that I did exclusively for the TF Con. So I got to rush and try to slap together and edit soon for that, get that thing off. So, yeah, I've been busting off too. And, and it's weird being back in this location again after 10 years. Yeah. It's just, you walk in, it's like, wow. My first 10 years con. ago, uh, you know, no yeah. kids and. Well, it, was, it was different. I had a different job. It was a different place. Well, it was OTFCC at that time, I think, was the last time uh, they were here. And that was the very uh, my very first convention, Transformer convention. And I've, I've made all but maybe three or four since um, that were official. And this is actually, well, aside from uh, Chartercon last year, was my first unofficial convert. But no, I take that back. It's like a con. It's like a con. And uh, it's, it's always fun. Can we work on convention names with the Transformers audience? <laughs> Shark to come. Well, when I, when I, I mean, when I tell my wife that I'm going to this one or that one, she's just like, really? Really? That's the name? What would you just call one plastic on? I, I don't think, know. There I think you my go. favorite one was uh, Joe Lanta. It was a G.I. Joe convention in Atlanta. Joe Lanta. Joe Lanta. I think that's the best convention name there is. Yeah. I think that wins. Yeah. Or just straight up just name it Robot Wars because you know all these guys bring in other stuff and just Transformers. I've, I've dubbed uh, this uh, convention the first episode of the Battle of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Remember Chicago, right? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, listeners that uh, may not know, um, that BotCon has actually been announced for uh, the Chicagoland area for next year. Uh, it's what, in June? Yeah, I, 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 think I, it's I forget June. the actual dates, but uh, uh, from what I've gathered, 
hotels are already sold out. Yeah. I, I, think, I think there's another crazy. block coming. Yeah. Other block of hotels are going to announce. Oh, so the first block sold out, hold out. You'll you'll get your space, your time. <laughs> all, all these. But always bargain support. shop. That's always the best thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Save fun. your money and buy it on, buy, you know, spend it at the con. Don't spend it on the hotel. <laughs> or, or spend it on Kickstarter. True. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. Do that. Kickstarter is always awesome. Well, we, we spoke with Rick uh, a couple weeks ago about his background. Let's talk a little a little with uh, Aaron about his background, and then we'll go into uh, him coming on board with Play With This too. and then we'll talk a little bit about um, your uh, involvement with the company and, uh, and, and uh, some of the ideas that you have for the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, uh, tell the f- uh, fans and listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, what yeah. you did for Hasbro, and yeah, this is this is a, a good time for me uh, transitionally. You know, I left Hasbro a year and a half ago after 19 years, and uh, I was on Transformers for, you know, if I count the Beast Wars time, you know, a little over 13 years. Um, you know, big job, a lot of work. Everybody saw me out cons and stuff. It was fun, and uh, just decided to take some time off and just kind of get back to drawing and, and being an artist and being with my family a little bit more. You know, there's a lot of traveling. You know, worry and stress with a job like what I had, and uh, it was great, and uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. But uh, you know, just needed a break, really. Um, well, you know, be- everyone keeps asking me. I don't really have a good answer or what I what I've been up to, other than I'm taking a break, a well-deserved uh, relaxation, and uh, you know, that's given me the opportunity to go back and get back into drawing. But I got back. I got into Hasbro back in the '90s when toys were very different. And uh, the brands were very different. How you were related to licensors was very different. How you related to retailers was very different. Um, I did the first Hasbro exclusive. You know, they didn't have exclusives mm-hmm. before 1995. Wow. Um, what was that exclusive? It was uh, three figures for Batman Forever at Target. Oh, wow. Yeah. Robin and Batman and a Riddler. And, uh, you know, lots changed. And uh, so that's how I, I mean, I got into it through a friend who got in and they were looking for more guys that did characters and stories and you know worked my way through that kind of parlayed that yeah so um, I know a lot about toys I know about storytelling I like to still use that even though I'm kind of working on my own projects and this interesting project came along with Rick who I've obviously known for a long time and worked with and he married me and my wife um, <laughs> yes I'm, I'm the Reverend Rick Alvarez yeah so um, presented me with a unique opportunity to get back into toys in a way that I, you know, major companies really don't do. Uh, like I said in the panel today, I like drawing monsters. You know, if you look through my personal work, it would be very different than what I am known for. Um, I actually follow you on Tumblr, and, oh, there you and, go. Yeah. and it's uh, I really like it. I appreciate that. Thank you, Aaron Archer Art on Tumblr. Um, so. I, I like monsters and stuff, and Rick presented with this concept, and I'm like, I think I can, you know, get into that, because it's something I didn't get to do all those years at Hasbro, drawing, you know, creating your own characters, uh, and, and applying my, my particular favorite styles, organic monster, kind of Lovecraft mm-hmm. kind of things, and uh, so it's been... I, I knew what type of stuff he liked, so I just had to show him the right things to get him... Yeah. interested in uh, stuff with tentacles and sea creatures. <laughs> yep. and I'm like, that's, yep. I just had to play to, to what he likes. So, it's, you know, it's a, that was a nice way to kind of get back. I mean, I was a, there a long time, so I don't need to recreate the wheel, you know, mm-hmm. and work on transforming products and stuff or well, robots even. So To me, like being an artist, it's much easier to try to create something if you don't have a bunch of fiction or some story or something just slapped into it. It's like, I can create what I want and then... Yeah. It creates its own story. It depends on, on the creator. I, I was actually one who does enjoy that tough challenge. You know, there's some walls here. We can either figure out how to break through them, we can ignore them, we can build around them, we can build them up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like those weird challenges. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you don't always get to do what you want to do. That's very true. Um, so this, this was a cool opportunity to get into that. Well, when you have the 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 freedom to create when you have you're basically starting at the ground level and you have the freedom to create something that uh, that is new or a new fresh look on on on, on an old idea you know it's uh, it um it 
can give the fan something to, to get behind and get excited about that they may not have considered before, you know, whenever you have, um, you know, it's like you have different genres that like to cross over. I mean, you, uh, I'll use Star, Star Wars and Star Trek, for, uh, for example, uh, you know, both set in space and, and everything. You have fans that, uh, that are staunchly loyal to one or the other, but then you have fans like me that, you know, I love both. And, and oh, you. You, you a Kirk or Picard? Picard, of course. Picard. He's a Kirk man. Uh, I'm a new Kirk, not Shatner. I like the old Kirk. I'm sorry. I, just, I enjoy the cheesy aspect of everything. I, thought, I, I pictured you more Janeway than anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I'm a big DS9 guy. I'm Cisco all the I way. I love DS9. Yeah, that's, I mean, but, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that, uh, that fans get behind, um, you know, the different stories, you know, where Star Wars is a little more, I guess, rustic and, and out there, and, and Star Trek tends to be more science-based than, you It's know, more Star glamorous, because, yeah. like, when you see the Enterprise, it's not some beat-up, like, Frisbee or something. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's not a... sleek and just beautiful, well, and the future's all nice and clean, and it's like, there's not that dirty ass. Yeah, they're two very different views of what is like to be a human in space where you have the well, the guys who work in the federation and everybody's happy and there's no poverty and they have uh, food for everybody and, and then star wars has no physics or yeah, yeah. gravity or suction of space yeah. <laughs> this is very weird but both do have explosions in space yes yes they do yes. and batman and can breathe in space that well Batman, Batman can do anything. I was reading He's the Wolverine comic, the, the death of Wolverine, and I was disappointed to learn that it wasn't Batman who killed him. <clears throat> I was just expecting that to be the case. <laughs> some fan fiction. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, getting back to it, though, um, my, my train of thought was... What was my train of thought? <laughs> I lost it. That went away. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, like I said, it's been a long day. Yeah. Um, I'll try to wrangle it around. Uh, but the, you know, if you have Star Wars and Star Trek, you know, and, and, and people, the, you have the crossover because they're similar. And if you have, you know, it's like they're both set in space, both have their their, their dramas, and people can appreciate, uh, that are fans of one thing can appreciate something else. And uh, because of its similarity, but it do, it's not particularly a slave to, uh, to something mm -hmm. else. So you you guys have banded together uh, and and using your expertise that you've learned from uh, your work on Transformers and Batman and 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 other uh, other genres and and basically melded those into one ball of awesome. I is what I call it. You know, I mean the the excitement. Uh, for play with this too, and, and the possibility abilities are are amazing. Well, I mean, you got monsters and robots. I mean, well, awesome. it, it all comes down to uh, the crew. Uh, no one can do something like this on their own. So guys like Steve Redinger and Mark Wong and Trent and Aaron and everyone else who's involved, who uh, we haven't announced yet, Ken Christensen, Simon Furman. Uh, it's just kind of playing to what they're all good at and. I'm not saying, hey, design this, do this, do this. They're all kind of looking at the material and saying, all right, well, what's my take on it? And some are more faithful to uh, inspiration. Uh, some, like Aaron, want to make their own things. And then we've got kind of the, the headshots, which is just everyone just drawing whatever they want to draw and making whatever they want to make. So it's like a celebration of that inspiration and... Being a fan of six-inch figures or you know, action figures and mm -hmm. toys. Well, I mean, uh, you know, talk about monsters and everything. Six-inch. Now, if the six and six inches do really well, and I'm not trying to uh, say like like Pacific Rim type thing here, but you know, uh, could you all maybe uh, parlay that into like kaiju-like monsters that are larger than the six-inch scale or? Um, would you all be interested in that, or who wouldn't? 
Um, well, <laughs> well, I like I can I can That's you know kind of yeah. building kind of building off of his idea. You know, things I'm thinking of is if you're gonna do like some kind of kaiju, you got this headshot kind of thing. Why not have like a multiple head monster that you can swap out all the heads on? And it'd look very weird, you know. Yeah. And and the other thing is like you know Bring just you a whole team. head swap out. Yeah, <laughs> that'd, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. Um, the other thing I was thinking was like you know. You got this fiction, it's like, you got this weird-looking head, you just plop it on this, like, this crazy, like, space suit, and it's like, how does this creature fit inside this space kind of thing, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things, so it kind of, like, just yeah. makes your imagination the, just go. Yeah, and, th- and some of that will be in the fiction, the different heads and how how they can work into it, there's, there's thoughts on that, and we're in the middle of putting together our story bible. Uh, I like this, if I can, but... They pull a bunch of guys together who have a lot of talent first, have worked in the business for a long time, so they have kind of rode the ups and downs of development, so they understand that to navigate that. And like, it's like finally all these guys are allowed to use their talent, and, and one girl. Yeah. Um, they're they're off the chain. You know, they're allowed to kind of do their own stuff, and it's it's so liberating. You don't get to do that when you're a freelancer, right? Like get, right. You get told what to do, when to get it done, how much you're going to get paid, or you know, whatever, what the deal is. And uh, it's a whole different dynamic. Like it, it's more of a, you can have fun with it. You know, I'm creative. I'm not worrying about parts count or paint apps. I'm just do the best thing you, you can do. Mm-hmm. And then we'll adjust on the end, on the end of it. Uh, we'll adjust the price up to match it. We're going to make what you design. Exactly. And, and uh, I think that's that's almost like a love letter to some of the fans out there because some of the guys out there are like, oh, I'd love to see something like this, and there it is, you know. And it really brings a lot of those guys more into the fandom of, oh, create your own kind of thing. You know, I, I really think that's an awesome aspect. I'm, I'm big into that. Well, I, I look at it as, you know, how can we be a bigger part of the community, and that's how we got uh, – I hate the word fan artist because I just think it's derogatory. I mean, they're artists who happen to be into stuff. And uh, I was at a show and I met this artist and her stuff just blew me away. And I asked her if she'd be interested in doing some design, doing some art. And uh, I, we're reaching out to people in the community, some who might not have professional experience. And I, I really like the result I got from her. So I think. Well, you might do something like that again with a headshot set where we ask people, hey, give us some designs. You get to come up with a name, the bio. Do you want to explain what the headshots are? Yeah, so the headshots are uh, a set of three heads, uh, interchangeable with all our figures, and they also work on a lot of the Marvel Legends, Master Universe Classics. They're the same. It's that semi universal ball joint, your Star Wars Black series. And. Uh, I'm thinking of opening it up to letting the fans contribute in a way where maybe we do like a set of five or a set of six or ten. And, of course, we pay them for this. Uh, just let the fans submit a head and a name, maybe a couple sentences about a character. And we'll maybe as a team look at them and say, that's interesting, that's interesting. And pay them for their efforts. And the real reward is that, hey, we're, we're going to make this. And you helped us do this. And... It's just another way we want to reach out to our fan base or the, the people who are in this community toys, with yeah. us, who, who like this stuff, the same we like this stuff. Well, it all comes down to Kickstarter and it, it, it how much they like it. Harkens back, um, uh, there was a, uh, a Star Trek uh, thing that StarTrek.com did here, here a few years back. They may even still do it, where you could actually go online and... Um, enter in like a, a photo of yourself and it would like scan that photo and they could actually somehow make model a action figure with your face on it in a Starfleet uniform and what you're what you're saying and, you know, I mean it's like someone uh, could feel like hey this is me in toy form and uh, and it's their avatar it's their avatar right. and and just seeing something it, I mean it gives them the sense of something of creating something that you know and uh, and whenever you have an artist that can sit down and create something you know in, in a way that's their avatar you know that's their thoughts 
in physical form that they can reach out and touch. Yeah, and I, this, that's really awesome. That, I mean, this whole aspect kind of reminds me of um, what Blizzard Entertainment did. They uh, had a, they actually have a thing where you can go to this website and have your character printed off, mm-hmm. and whatever printer, what whatever you logged out as that character, whatever doesn't matter the, the outfit it's wearing or anything. It's called footprints, and it's really really interesting how you're able to do that, and then you're able to go in and just choose the kind of poses you want them in. Yeah, there's statues, but it is kind of almost that that's, same kind of thing. That's your digital and, soul. And, and it's awesome. And there's a lot of people enjoy that kind of thing, too, because I could see this blowing up just as big as that ad. Oh, well, thank you. Um, it's all uh, us trying to be a bigger part of our community, and uh, I really like the idea of reaching out. And There's a lot of creative people out there who not everyone has worked in the toy industry or comic books or done freelance art and they're just doing art for themselves and uh, if we're able to figure out the logistics of opening it up um, I'm sure we're going to see some crazy stuff that none of us had ever thought of before now uh, are there any designs uh, new designs that you've uh, unveiled since uh, you were on the show that you would like to talk about uh, today I mean we, we can't actually physically show i guess right now but i mean uh we're going to do a, another edit of this uh, of this video and Plasticon can uh, edit them in uh is, are there any that you would like to well there's boneyard who's our uh, gladiator character uh i really like him he's got the the gauntlets uh he's got um it's the first time we've shown a head that has a removable helmet that actually fits over his face uh, unlike astro blast where it's a head inside of a helmet mm-hmm. this is actually uh, soft PVC that'll go around that. Um, there's uh, Jetwash, who I think we might be in need of changing the name to Jetstrike, uh, who's uh, who's our flyer. I really like the story behind his his character. He's uh, he's on our heroes team. Um, there's Bloodbath, who's our uh, our vampire character, and then there's uh, I think we're we're still working on a name for your guy, yeah, right? Take take or kill. It was like the working ancient astronaut working title. But uh, yeah, that character he's he's going to be a big part of our fiction. Um, he's going to be the first real big villain that our heroes encounter. So I'm I'm really liking the story that, that Trent and I are putting together, and we're gonna put all these notes and ideas together and hand it off to Simon and see where he takes it. And uh, Aaron's helping out with the story too. And I give my notes to Trent. Okay. <laughs> And uh, let you guys figure it out from there. And I don't, I'm not sure how the figure is going to. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do two figures or if we're going to offer one figure with a lot of parts, so you can kind of make who you want to make. Whether you make the ancient astronaut or you make your octopus squid monster, uh, we haven't figured that part out yet. But it's now, a it's a crazy design. This I, this uh, arch villain, I guess, or the first main uh, bad guy, is it the one uh, that you were showing that had like all the tentacles? Yeah. 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 So it's kind of inspired. I, I, I like I like Jack Kirby stuff. I like you know all that Mayan Machu Picchu stuff. I like Lovecraft and deep sea divers and stuff. So it's a bit of a I looked at I looked at you know the inspiration of Octopunch and you know there's not a lot there. You know it's an interesting potential. And I feel like I've done an interesting job of taking it pretty far from where it started, but yet. It's an interesting, compelling look. Um, the off the owl, that tentacle stuff is kind of what makes him the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I really like the story of uh, uh, Top Line. Some notes. He he's out with Boneyard, a very young Boneyard, a long, long time ago, and he's uh, they're hunting this thing for whatever reason. He uh, he kills it, but he's infected. He's he's bit or he gets scratched, and he becomes this thing himself. And many years later, our heroes have to take one of their own down. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, I like that kind of like aspect where it really brings home that they have to do something, you know, that they don't want to do. I like stuff like that because to me, it makes the uh, it makes the fiction feel more realistic and more home for some people, and it also just kind of adds that extra little bit of uh, curiosity especially when you go to like say you read like the next one 
or something like that because it, it keeps the, it keeps the ball rolling. So it doesn't become some stagnant thing that just consistently just does the same thing. Yeah, and I think we're going to treat our villains more like a rogues gallery where they're not they're not a faction. They're just this villain does this and this villain does that, and this is a different type of villain, and they all have their own plans that they're enacting, and they're not all right. working together on like one you, dude. Well, you look at the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle villains, or you know, I mean, they, they're just random. What about a, like yeah. an evil version of the super even the super Thundercats? They all had their own agendas. Yeah, they were they were loosely affiliated, but like at least one of the, the Vulture guys, one of that guy. You know, where's or you may have two. Uh, you might have two bad guys that that are, uh, you know, uh, it's like they hate the good guys, but they also hate each other, and you know, it's like they try to interfere in one another. You know, yeah, you can have like that the, that that kind of play on the story. If, if it's faction based, if the story doesn't really. It becomes a two sided war, and you know, between very episodic. And we, you know, we got a yeah, lot of brands we, with that. We've done stories that with that. Yeah. We've done that before, so we're trying to do something different. Well, um, I, I know we're kind of uh, running a little bit long here, and I know, I know you guys are tired and want to uh, get back. And um, let's uh, before we wrap up, uh, let's bring it back to Transformers real quick and and talk about um, um, some of your favorite uh, uh, work on, on on Transformers and um, where you would uh, you not necessarily know that the brand is going, but where we, you would like. Uh, to see it go, if if you were still uh, going, what what would you like to bring back? If uh, any ideas or anything, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start on this one. Yeah, sure. You you write your notes. <laughs> I uh, so I look at a lot of the products out there today, and I wonder not just who are these products directed towards, but I see a lot of non-transforming products, especially for the movie, and it just puts that thought in my head well 20 years from now when when the kids of today are collectors our ages and they're, they're not looking to go back in there <laughs> they're they want to recapture their childhood are they what type of message are they setting the brand up for uh is it a non-transforming action figure with limited articulations that has wheels hanging off of it or is it a transformer and i just see a lot of non-transforming play in the brand today and it just makes me curious that what's the brand going to be in 20 years from now when those the kids of today are adults and they want to masterpiece something from from today's toy line well to build on that i mean i think this partially is uh is a a large driving force for collectors why the independent uh market is growing so so rapidly is because the, the the official product that we want so much, um, you know, that are that is more toward the collector base is getting there's fewer and fewer of it, you know. And well, it's like a uh, it's, it's a weird death spiral as as, mm-hmm. as the companies are after more and more of the kid dollars and to their ends, rightfully so, I guess. Um, there's a growing need because there's probably more collectors overall, not just Transformers, but overall. Um, and it, it really creates a uh, the opportunity for the third parties and the, the 3D printing and um, you know third parties is probably a misnomer too. Independent companies, um, you know, and it, 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 it it's interesting timing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know that you can take control of your fandom in a way or the ability to get fan create your own toys versus waiting well, for something I mean, from well, a corporation. The way I see it is it's demographics. I mean, yeah. you think about the way kids were in the 80s, everybody bought, you know, toys. Yeah. Nowadays, it's more computer-based yeah. software type of thing. So somehow you always have to integrate that into the toy to get the kid to buy it. Yeah. And like a mainstream, it's it's very difficult Absolutely. to complete more with, to so. compete with that. I mean, even Lego even struggled with it for a while, and they're one of the biggest companies in the world when it comes to toy manufacturing. I can't even help but think. I mean, I have an eight-year-old stepdaughter, and uh, I love her to death, and and she uh, she has got a heart so full of fun. But whenever I speak about toys with her. She doesn't care. There is nothing out there that grabs her enough that she clings onto. It's all Minecraft, video games, 
uh, and everything. And and it, and it makes me think about toys today. And she actually has made fun of me for collecting toys. You know, why do you like toys? I'm like, well, because I, I don't. It's not because I get down on the floor and play with them. It's because I find them interesting. Secretly, he does. Um, but it's it's because I find them interesting and the nostalgia factor uh, is uh, comes back even if it's a new character if it if it harkens back to something that that I can relate to it appeals to me but it scares me for kids today to become and the brand you know it's like and I see this in Transformers too you know if if there's more and more kids out there like my stepdaughter if they don't care about toys, what's it going to be well, like in 20 years well, in the toy I think, industry? I think you will have more independent companies catering particularly to a new, obvious, and probably connected fan base of toys. You know, adult, you know, have money in some cases, clearly, mm-hmm. to, to buy those things. Because the, the uh, manufacturing of toys is low-end, man. You know, no one wants to make that stuff anymore either. As much as kids don't always want to buy it, the manufacturers want high, you know, they want high tech products too. They make more money that way. Mm-hmm. They make money making little slug arms and legs, right? Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's a, it is a big shift that is coming, whether we like it or not. And that's why uh, you can take it back personally and still offer stuff now. Um, I think if we love toys, we all have to get together and love toys. Or it will go away. Mm-hmm. And then we won't have anything. And we can get caught up in our little fiefdoms of Transformers, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, whatever. But if you like toys, you better support this stuff because the companies are going to be making more comic stuff and less of it or less of the evolved stuff or yeah, boring I, stuff. I just wonder what low what, end what is a Toys R Us going to look like in 20 years? Is it just going to be Best Buy? Yeah. And you go and you... I've up. actually had that very thought. Well, I mean, I mean brick-and-mortar stores have their own struggles. Uh, but uh, not to pick on one chain, but Toys R Us, where they just cater to a, you know one specific item, which is toys. Mm-hmm. You know, what's what's the future hold for a place like that? Where is it going to turn into? There's your 3D printing aisle, and there's your DVD aisle, and there's your flash drive aisles. Well, and, and, and it goes to the uh, to, and this is in recent news too. For example, the Breaking Bad action mm-hmm. figures. This is in the news right now as we as we're recording this. Um, you know, there's there are, uh, there are there are uh, parents that are outraged over Breaking Bad action figures and uh, and being in Toys R Us, and they don't want their children buying these. Well, they don't realize that adults buy toys too, and and it obviously makes money for those companies. Yeah, to have them but I think shelf. yeah, if so, it, I mean, I look at those Walter White figures and I think, what kid's gonna want to play with that? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, like mm-hmm. when the They're kid has a choice between like a Power Ranger or like a Ninja Turtle Something or a Transformer, yeah. and they they see a guy, a sickly looking guy in a suit with a hat and glasses. Is that what the kid's gonna want? Or are they gonna want the Power Ranger? Well, we never made Commissioner Gordon for a reason. <laughs> They're never gonna want. But there's an me. Alfred. <laughs> but there's an Alfred. Well, I mean, old men in suits are not the uh, Who wants to play with the old guy? <laughs> the funny thing is there's worse stuff at Toys R Us as far as content than Breaking yeah. Bad, isn't there? Well, the yeah. video at games. M-rated, M-rated, M-rated video games. Call of Duty. Or rated mo- the movies, you know. But some of those figures. That, yeah. You know, you show up there, that's yeah, and it's just a figure. It's not the well, show. It, yeah, it's not the language of the show or the content of the show. It's... Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me as of, like, when the Spawn action figures just started hitting the market. Mm-hmm. It was a little Satanic. more mainstream, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're very, very, very grotesque-looking and stuff, and, you know, you'd see that parent trying to hide that child's eyes and push them you know, all the way down the aisle or whatever, because, you know, when they market this stuff and they put it on the shelf, they don't pay attention to where it's at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I noticed something that Toys R Us is they tend to try to put all those collector items all in one aisle, to try to segregate it away from you know, everything else. Because you don't want your child to see some of that stuff. Although some kids wouldn't even be bothered by it. Some are just like, eh, they don't even care. This is after the bright, shiny thing, not the thing that's dripping blood and all this. And I would wager most kids come in with a predetermined idea of what they might be into. Like, 
I'm here to get a Ninja Turtle. Yeah, I can't imagine a kid wandering in, accidentally buying a Breaking Bad figure, going and watching the content, thinking he's going to watch a show of superheroes or something, <laughs> and being encountered by that show and going, what happened? I'm damaged for life. That, 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 that's it's foolish. So unrealistic. Yeah. And, and I think I think a lot of uh, toy companies are actually they actually know this and understand this, which is why there's a lot of collector oriented and, and, and marketed toys out there. I think some toy companies embrace it and others hide from it. Yeah. I've been saying it for a while, just like our country right now, there's a very small percentage of people who have a lot and a lot of people who don't have much. And I think this this world we're in reflects that. You know, these low-end, under $20, they don't transform toys in the case of Transformers, but low-end action figures across the board. They don't have a lot of feature, they don't have a lot of whiz-bang. And then you jump to these $80 Metroplexes and bigger bigger sets and things, you know, and it's like catering to these high-end people and then the low-end people. It's, it's, it's feast for famine with yeah, one really or the other. Is. Yeah, it really is, it really is. I mean, I've actually felt that crunch, too. I mean, uh, my, my family and I, we've, you know, we recently moved, and we've, we've had a lot of financial difficulty. And um, as a collector, as a Transformer collector, because, let's be honest, it's a very expensive hobby. Um, and I've been... And a lot to collect. Yeah, and, I've been, and I've, been, I've been very creative in ways to try to get a hold of figures that I want, and I've missed a lot of figures I want. And, you know, and whether they be independent release toys or officially released Hasbro product, you know, I mean, and, and a good a good example of this is like like the Masterpiece Prowl at Toys R Us, you know, whenever, and, and, and people has even noticed this, I mean, at our sponsor, Capture, Capture Prey, we're re- retailing the uh, Takara Tomy version for $70. Well, you can go to Toys R Us and buy Masterpiece Prowl, same exact toy, and pay $69.99 plus tax, which takes it to like $72, $73, depending on what part of the country you're in. So in, in, in essence, you're paying more for the domestic version than you are the import. And, and as a collector, I sit there and I look at that and I'm like, you know, it, it's so skewed sometimes. And, and it's really frustrating as, uh, whenever you have a limited income. Uh, and, and there's something out there that you want, and all you have is like these shampoo bottle things that don't do anything but appeal to preschool. You can't really knock the jumbos. I mean, it's, no. it's a great thing because jumbos was like a great thing in the 70s, you know, and you go into the 80s, but now it's kind of like if they would just added like a rocket punch or something to those, I think they would those have were purposely, um, but they're just there, you know, right? trying to be cost conscious. And, uh, you know, global market. Right. Uh, we, we obviously are kind of skewed towards what we get at our retail, but, you know, uh, it's, it's harder to make money and, and survive in places like Brazil and, and Italy even and, and stuff. So to get those brands in those markets and make any money, uh, they have to, you know, make it so that those people have a chance to even think about collecting. About mm-hmm. um, so a lot of those things... You know, that don't work here are tactical elsewhere as well. That, that should be noted. It's not just we get screwed out of good toys. It's, well, it's I mean, other people get toys they would never have gotten. I also have to uh, have to say I, I really appreciate the, uh, like you know the the like the uh, the the generations uh, uh, legends. You know, I mean it's it's a lower price point toy, but you have a lot of them are actually surprisingly complex. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that as a collector. I mean, it, you know, I can go out and get a ten, twelve dollar figure once in a while. Not feel it's something that I won't feel guilty about, and I feel satisfied. You know, uh, but and, and they're doing a lot of the right characters. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. and I do I do feel appreciation for that. But you know, beyond that, you know, with you know, I just feel that there's too much that, like like you alluded to earlier, there's too much non-transforming. Stuff out there that appeals to, uh, that's, that's that's trying to appeal to a younger audience, or uh, or it's it's essentially a cash grab for uh, for the name. And I, I just kind of wonder how much could have been allotted from that to something that 
can appeal to everyone, not just collectors, but kids in general, the lower price point things. You know, I, I just wonder how much of that was actually taken into account, like with this new Age of Extinction line. Well, it's not so new now, but um, I just kind of wonder how much of that was actually taken into account whenever these came to the You know, being there a long time, I can tell you sometimes newness alone gets people excited. That's kind of like that line, you know, just because you can, should you? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's the debate on the Age of Extinction toys, but I can tell you, you know, a lot of those concepts were exciting to the people in top inside the building because they were new. Mm-hmm. You know, so insertably, um, I mean, it seems exciting and different when you get outboard retail and fans and everything else. It, it might not have that same level of excitement for the fact that it's just new. Right, because well, it, it doesn't fi- filter in other concepts that are needed to be a good. Well, one of the big things I noticed with yeah. the, with that line that came out is you know it reintroduced the spark yep. gimmick yeah. that was completely you know that was you know totally eighties, and now they brought it back. Yeah, it might be contained within something, but it's a spark gimmick. A lot of us never thought yeah. we would never see that again. Yes, it doesn't transform or anything, but who cares? It's a spark gimmick. That's the whole reason why you buy the thing, you know? And some people, like, the the big thing is, is I notice, like, when it comes to collecting in general, I like gimmicks in a toy, but I don't like a gimmick to hinder the toy, you know? Well, that's not really hindering the toy, because that's what it does. And, like, in Generation 2, they gave you, like, crazy little add-ons and stuff like that, or they give you, like, you know, firing, like missiles. Some firing missiles and rotors and stuff like that that fire off and you know water squirting gimmicks and stuff like that that's a great gimmick it doesn't move to the toy but well then the water squirting have, fades the toy stickers well <laughs> it does but then you know and that makes the other in the prime line have you had the, the light right? gimmicks yeah. and the <laughs> stuff didn't work and people weren't happy with it so Dr. Wu comes in and gives you swords and all this craziness or, or Repo Labels comes in and gives you stickers mm-hmm. right exactly. and you've got that too yeah so there's always a fix to a lot of the things that come out. If it doesn't appeal to you, just don't buy it. But if it's something you like, get it. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's like jumbos. I know guys who collect number jumbos. I can see those jumbos coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think, I hope, I hope that, I mean, it's an evolved state right now. I mean, collecting, toy collecting is very different than it would have been even 15 years ago. Yeah. I, I really do hope that fans of the medium can get together and, and support, participate in, chatter about whatever, like what people are doing, because it's it's genuine. You know, like like things were in the mm-hmm. '80s a little bit more, a little bit. More. Look at how it's evolved. Where you know now you have five hundred, six hundred dollar pieces that come out there. Right. They're beautifully engineered. Utopia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that thing's amazing. crazy. And it's it's that whole thing that you know when we were when we were growing up in the eighties here in the states, you never seen a guy clone figure. You always thought it was like this. They're supposed to be like a driver or something. And now I you never know, knew with what the social media and all this stuff, it's able to make that you know that little bitty urge that all these people had just grow into like one big humongous thing. And it's like. It's so wonderful seeing some of these things that have been coming out. Like, even the copy trials, it's just amazing pieces that completely blow our mind of what they're able to do with this technology now. And it's really been evolving quite quite rapidly. And I can see, you know, with what you guys are going to be doing, that's going to completely add to it. Cause face so. it there's going to be mean, somebody out Rick there like, hey, we're going to make better, yeah. make crazy weapons and stuff that plug in. You make like five millimeter ports on the wheel that people can mech oh, tech yeah. weapons on there because they can yeah <laughs> or master shooters there, there, might, shooters. there might be some areas where you can clip on your three millimeter clips too so. or even b-log b-log yeah. being yeah. a big thing like they are totally. i can see a lot of guys buy that and turn back around by all these big b-logs and just slap a bunch of weapons on it. there you go it's cool stuff and our, our tech drones would work with b-logs too boom you can make your awesome. your tech mod well i don't know what you would call it <laughs> Trent mod. <laughs> Your Trent mod, yeah. Uh, well, real quick, um, uh, I know we asked you this on uh, on the other episode, but um, since things kind of got screwed up, we'll ask you again, and then we'll ask Aaron. Uh, what 
if you could name one transformer that you've helped work on that was your favorite, what would it be? G2 Bruticus, the Amazon.com exclusive. That was pure labor of love. Mm. You brought in your original and they looked at the box, right? We scanned in the original box. I found one of the original painters to paint the card art on that. I brought in my original G2 toys to match the, the, the deco on the figures. I fought to have the G2 logo on there and the right faction symbols. And uh, Everyone was just really cool. It was the exclusives team, so they had a slightly different mentality and a different approach. And everyone was just really cool with it. And different financial needs. <laughs> yeah. And it, to me, it's like, wow, that's what a G2 box set would have been like for Bruticus in admit, 1990. Whenever it was first uh, announced, I mean... Uh, I saw the SDCC when I'm like, oh, that's gorgeous. You know, that's a look at the a look at the bright colors. It's the G1 colors, and then you have the the regular release. I'm like, oh, those are nice too. And then uh, and I'm like, I think I'll just go. I'll try to get the SDCC uh, or SDCC one. And then I had to wait a little bit because it was a little bit more expensive than I could uh, I could afford. And then the G2 one was unveiled. I'm like. Forget those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was. That was a home run. That Any, was a home run. Anything G two was. I had a hand that. And I'm. I'm sure someone oh, would. Yeah. Would be really, <laughs> really Absolutely happy. Loved that yeah. toy. That toy is just. It, it was such a love letter to the guys that grew up. You know, the guys during the '90s and stuff that only saw that on the shelf. That's a complete yeah, love letter like, to them. I mean, out of my yeah, eyes, I was collected before, but, but I was heart. like, oh my god, that was it. <laughs> I, I would really like to see more of that because the G2 colors, some people say, oh, yeah, it's garish. Well, that's part of well, the yeah, well, charm, man. That's part of the charm. Well, it people, might be ugly, but it's the most coolest thing you've of, ever seen because it is ugly. A lot of people forget, too, that the G2 color schemes uh, kind of help revive interest in uh, in in these old, uh, the older molds. I mean, basically, uh, the first few waves of G2 was just the 84 molds brought back. Hey, let's paint them different wacky colors and maybe add on a couple little things. And, and and they're like new toys for new for a new generation of Transformer fans. Yeah. Well, and, and well, here, this is a result right here. <laughs> I remember I got that black side swipe. I was so happy. Yeah. It's like, wow, he's blacked out. That's awesome. Yeah. He used to be red. With the, with the neon happened? green and... Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And seeing, like, all the little prototype things that could have been, you know, because yeah. I'm a customizer. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do the yellow the fading of the teal because that's just cool. I'm going to have one of those sit on the shelf next to the <laughs> real one. Yeah. It's going to be cool to have stuff like that. And what do you think? What's your, what's your favorite thing? You know, it's tough for me, man. I was on it for so long that, that you know, I, I was fortunate, very fortunate to get to work with crazy people, amazing people, get to do a lot of things that I just made up out of my head, you know, and, and got supported and, and you know, embraced and everything else. Um, so it's really hard for me to single stuff out because it was along my career path. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got stepping stones that are my favorite. Um, it's like a non-bullshit answer. But, um, <laughs> well, it also helped, too, that both of you were fans before you were, you were attached to the brand officially. You know. Yeah, I can't claim to be, you know, super fan or anything. I played with it. I watched the show. I read the comics. But you were familiar with. The I was familiar, definitely familiar with it. I was certainly a GI Joe kid, which meant, you know, I understood Hasbro. I understood the crossovers, you know. Um, but I, you know, it also taught me storytelling related to big groups with a lot of subset groups, you know. So I think that education, you know, helped me down down the road when I got the job. But. Uh, you know, everything was a stepping stone. Armada was great for me. Like Anniversary Optimus was great. You know, being being part of the team that let let loose animated, you know, to show the world a different look. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the movies, you know, like Michael Bay and stuff. You know, so it's tough for me to call any one thing out. I mean, it's, it's really awesome. Well, um, I'll ask you to get ready to kill the video, and I, I want to tell you guys. Uh, from a personal standpoint, um, and also from TFYLP uh, and the listeners, uh, thank you both for all the hard work that you've done on the brand of Transformers that we are a fan of. And we, we, that's why we're here, that we've driven and, uh, and flown thousands of miles, some of us, 
and uh, and and it's and it's a testament to you guys the hard work that you put in. And that goes both ways. Man. It's uh, you know, for me, I had a corporate job. You know, I just fortunately ended up the way I did. Man, we meet a lot of great people, passionate people, people who stuck with this stuff for years, taught me a lot. There's a, but there's always a big group. Mm-hmm. You can't. One or two of us here really doesn't represent the totality no. of how how this awesome stuff really gets made. I mean, there's hundreds of people who, who touch those things. And, uh, they all should be so lucky to be on podcasts and celebrated at conventions and their names known and, and so forth. But largely, most of those people don't, don't get this kind of treatment. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm just happy to have you. And, and like, like I said, I mean, we are, we are appreciative. I mean, you know, there's there's fans out there with, uh, uh, that are fans now because of things that you've created and helped create and, hand, uh, and had your hand in. Yeah, I met a guy at a jersey phone up at Labor. He was like, grew up in Armada. Mm-hmm. And to him, that was his G1. He, had, he loved it as much as you guys, you know, loved, mm-hmm. you know, loved G1. Yeah. And it changed his life. I mean, he was like, I'm into art now. and I was like, wow, you really can affect somebody just by drawing robots. I have to admit, the Armada PS3 or PS2 game was the best Transformer game I had played ever <laughs> up until that point. You know, it's like, wow. I mean, this was Wait, wait, wait. You didn't like the NES version? You know, the one that we released on the Famicom? Dude, I had the Commodore 64 <laughs> version, and, I, and that thing crashed all the time, and it was just a little... Ultra Magnus, I guess. How far did you get? Did you even pass the first yeah. level? No. You swore CD. That was so was hard to play. Oh, yeah. That was the worst. Wow. Was, yeah. I think I played that once. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think it's a game. I don't even know how you play it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, um, to, to wrap it up, you know, you guys uh, are starting up uh, Play With This 2, and uh, we urge all of our listeners uh, and, and fans to... Uh, to support this company that uh, that they're starting up and and uh, donate to the Kickstarter program and and help them succeed. I mean, these guys have helped create something that um, you know, as fans of Transformers for your listening pleasure, this podcast. You know, that's what we do. We're fans of Transformers. You guys helped create a lot of Transformer content. You know, toys and and and, and everything. And now you're 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 doing something different, but along the same veins. You know, it's like there, it's the like I was alluding to earlier with the Star Trek and Star Wars. It's not that far a leap to become a fan of what you guys are doing now. And you know, but, so it's not totally unreasonable for Transformer fans to say, "Hey, look, I can play with this too. You can play with their stuff, but you can play with this too." Exactly. And and we we hope you guys succeed. And everything that you do. Thank you very much. Uh, Kickstarter's coming in February. Um, that's uh, that. Uh, now, uh, can they donate before then, or is it? We do have a donation set up on uh, on our website, and uh, we're doing a pre-Kickstarter uh, donation fundraiser here, where everyone gets a prize. Um, Playwiththis2.com. It all goes to uh, helping us uh, develop the prototypes and the art and marketing and just spreading the word. The more we can do up front before Kickstarter, have our, you know, our thoughts down, the engineering kind of down, the designs down. So every dollar helped early, obviously, but so that when we when the Kickstarter goes, you know, Rick has the right stuff and it's done and it can get produced. Right now, there's not nothing. Too much back end to, to do. No, we should be ready to go. As yeah. uh, if it's funded, we'll be ready to go. So right, uh, right. This is not your normal Kickstarter. I mean, with, you know, there's an outlay of, of output up front. Really, it's a risk, mm-hmm. right? So, not every Kickstarter works that way. Uh, so, we're, we're into we're, we're we're into it, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to thank you, listeners, for joining us uh, here at uh, TFCon. USA, uh, the very first one. Uh, we're going to try to do a few Chicago. more. We're going to try to we're going to try to do a few more um, interviews this weekend as time allows. Um, uh, but we want to thank Rick and uh, and Aaron for joining us uh, today, um, and uh, 
we will see you next time on Transformers for your listening pleasure. This is Weird Wolf, Plasticon, Aaron, and Rick. See Bye. you next time. Orson. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. Peace out, we're you gonna, guys. We're going to have one of, one of our headshots. This has been Transformers for your listening pleasure, a presentation of TFTalk.net. We'd like to thank you for listening and ask that you please rate us on your favorite podcast outlet and share us with your friends. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TFYLP. Email us at podcast at TFYLP.com. This is Paul Lighting, and on behalf of TFYLP, we'd like to thank you again for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time for another... T-F-Y-L-P. <laughs>